happening in cross-continental Minneapolis, this is Nice Games Club, the show where nice game devs talk games and game development. I'm Alan Burns-Johnson, and I make nice games. I'm Steve McGregor, and I make nice games. And I'm Arthur Croy, I too make nice games. In this episode, we talk with Jamal Slayer-Jimski and Greg Borison, both senior game developers who work with me, to discuss the topic of wandering into game development. Kind of like wandering through that intro. So if everyone's ready, let's start. We are all over the place right now. We've got Mark is in secondary Minneapolis location. Stephen and I are in downtown Minneapolis. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Jamal, you're on West Coast. And Greg, you're also on West Coast-ish? Yeah, I, I'm in uh, Vancouver, British Columbia in Canada. So ah. uh, somewhere I've lived for the past mm-hmm. five years. Oh, that's Northwest Coast? <laughs> I don't know where Vancouver is. I feel like I should. <laughs> It's uh, it's Go north of Seattle. Ah, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, just cross the Canadian border and it's there. I was like, <laughs> pretty yeah. much immediately. Mark, don't tell Dale I didn't know where Vancouver was. <laughs> I, she could probably guess you didn't know where Vancouver yeah, was. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but that's the thing about Americans in Canada is like Canada is like, oh, it's North Coast, yeah, right? Exactly. Like we don't. Yeah. It's just we don't really. It's just over the border, and then it's all Canada. Like, yeah, yeah pretty much. <laughs> Jamal, you're in San Diego. Yes, I am in uh, La Mesa, California, which is just a little bit east of San Diego proper, and I've been here for approximately one month now. Oh wow! So just just moved from New York. This is a, that's a big transition. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Speaking of transition, <laughs> are we just gonna jump right into the topic? Okay. Well, the topic. <laughs> I guess we are. We're wandering into this too. Okay. So the topic is wandering into into game development, and I think what we mean by that specifically is um, both of you have you had separate careers, different careers from video game development um, before, and you ended up um, in you know in in video games. And we're curious why <laughs> why would you do yeah. that to yourselves? <laughs> But also, like, what what made you decide to change? Like, what what happened to that that career shift happen? Which one of us should start? <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> um, Jamal, do you want to go first? I guess I'll just pick. Sure. Uh, it's it's kind of bizarre. I guess the reason would be necessity. Actually, mm-hmm. um, I switched careers from I graduated school in New York uh, with a music degree and for a period of time like seven or eight years I was a professional musician uh, in the New York scene play saxophone and at a certain point in time I made the decision that I needed to switch careers Um, I sort of thought about the future and that might be slightly less fun at 40, 50, et cetera. So I went to um, go get my master's degree uh, in actually digital forensics and cybersecurity, which is kind of a stretch from a music performance BFA, but... 100%. <laughs> so while I was pursuing that degree, uh, I ran into complications. And the complications were that the master's programs in the all presume that you have a salaried job that you are working and perhaps taking the courses at uh, night or after work. Mm. So they scheduled every they scheduled all the master's courses later in the day, mm. which meant that um, 
the inverse was true for me, right? So right. it was causing a, a terrible financial situation for me where all of my, you know, all of my gigs and the money that I would be making uh, gigging at night uh, sort of was drying up because uh, I was taking classes and I had to sort of quit taking on uh, paying musical work. So what happened for me was that I essentially got into game development because I needed money and my roommate's boyfriend was working on an educational video game for the government, uh, teaching, teaching math. Let me just take a step back and say that the master's program for cybersecurity, digital forensic stuff, it was, it was very high level uh, degree involved like hacking and network security and operating security, operating system security and this sort of thing. And there was a general expectation that you would know like many different programming languages um, and that th this was just assumed, right? And these classes were really tough and just they'd make you do something completely different every single week. And so to get through crunching how to actually program in a lot of these languages, what I would do is I would just find an audiovisual library for that language, or I would find a game engine built in that language. And then I would just compose something really quickly, like maybe just some, some fun prototype or something in order to just learn the language, right? Yeah. Um, and so back to my roommate's boyfriend, I had built several like little game prototype things um, for myself. And she was just constantly watching me in my room, just, you know, hammering away at all of these games. Cause of course you got to show people after you build it. Right. I'm like, come in here, look at this, look yeah. at this, look at this. Uh, and she was like, you know, my boyfriend's working on a, a video game, you know, he, he's saying he needs a programmer for it and this and that. And so I ended up meeting him at a coffee shop and I totally uh, swindled him. Um, he was looking for a, he was looking for a JavaScript game developer because the program was a, you know, it was a web application. It was a web-based game. Um, and this is the period in time when Flash was, uh, dying because, uh, Apple refused to support it on their iPhone. So newer web games were being built with just like HTML5 stuff, you know, uh, and JavaScript game engines which nobody knew how to use properly. So anyways, he asks me in this interview about like, you know, you know JavaScript, you know this, do you know that? And I said, yeah, of course I know JavaScript. Here, take a look at this thing that I built. And what I didn't know at the time was that I hadn't actually built what I had written in JavaScript oh. at all. And what had happened was, is we're all familiar with the Unity game engine. Oh. And in the very, very, very early days of Unity, yeah. Um, you used to be able to code uh, in in Unity script or whatever it was like that offshoot of JavaScript. So right? so they went and they they call it Unity scripts now. But back in the day, they were like, hey, you can code in JavaScript. Mm. So I was like, oh, this is JavaScript. I guess I'm coding in JavaScript. It's awesome, easy, boom, done. Uh, so I showed him that, and then he was like, wow, this is incredible. You you did this in JavaScript, and I'm like, yeah, man, like I'm I'm crushing it. <laughs> and then uh. Uh, shook hands, got the deal, you know, got the, got the job. And the thing about the job was he was paying, he was paying a thousand dollars per level. Right. Oh. That was, that was, that was the arrangement we had. I was just like, you know, pay you, I'll pay you a, a thousand bucks per level. I said, you better get ready. You better get ready for like one level a week. Cause your boy needs the money. I'm going to be hitting you with these levels. <laughs> right. like, 
like this, right? So <laughs> basically, um, long story short, I went back home after he, you know, hired me for this job. I had a week before I was going to start. I then sort of did some investigation, realized I didn't actually know how to code games in JavaScript. I downloaded a book from O'Reilly, you know, the book publisher O'Reilly, mm -hmm. about how to code games in JavaScript. And they happened to be using the same, for his book, he was using the same engine that we were going to be using for this project, which was called ImpactJS, which is the OG original JavaScript game engine, the first like really fully compiled sort of JavaScript game engine that everybody sort of got hooked into. Uh, so I slammed that book to my brain in a week, uh, showed up the next week and uh, just started crushing levels. I started crushing, crushing levels for this guy. And that is basically how I sort of stumbled into it because I completed, we completed this game together. It was great. We made another one uh, together, which was great while I was still in school. And then I left the master's program and got poached straight away to go into a digital forensics lab, which they they don't look like the CSI uh, TV shows with the blue light, the blue ambient light, and the massive you know they, they, screen. They don't. Wow. It's a, I'm surprised. Yeah, <laughs> it's not like that. So not I a lot I, of real time typing battles either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's no. There's no like. There's no like hacking phone and the progress bar moves slowly to the to the right, you know, with the skull and crossbones. Uh, Did you say enhance once at all? Uh, only only internally. Only internally. <laughs> what what I will say, so quick tangent, quick tangent. Mr. Robot, if you've ever watched Mr. Robot, Love that show. they actually have a slavish devotion to accuracy. Yeah. Uh, and if you'll remember I can't remember how long this lasts for, but at least in the first season, he works in a digital forensics lab, and they made sure that everything was legit about everything that he was using and doing, including the reports that he delivered to his boss were the exact same formatting as the reports that NCASE, which is like the industry standard tool, prints out. I was like blown away. It was insane. <laughs> um, cool. But any. Year and a half there, year and a half there at the forensics lab, I realized uh, that this was not the job for me. Mm -hmm. um, and I started looking for programming jobs. And as happens when all that's on your resume is uh, educational uh, web games, you find it very easy to slip into another educational web game job. And then from there to the next one and there to the next one. So that's kind of how I slipped into the uh the game development track I, I i imagine i mean that mirrors a lot of people's um stories i think in a lot of ways i think that the way that i got into games is i made a bunch of projects myself um, and then i started looking for jobs and then they saw the stuff i was doing and i and i told them yeah i can do all these things in unity i can make networking and whatnot and <laughs> I, they fell for it hook line and sinker um, so, uh, yeah, I think, I think that, um, there's a lot of things and I imagine that listeners will probably feel a little more comfortable hearing, um, how, uh, others are getting into development as well. Uh, mm -hmm. Greg, do you, how, how did you get into the games? Um, does it, does it, are there similarities between your story and Jamal's? Well, yeah, it didn't happen on purpose. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, uh, so my, my previous career was um, uh, a variety of different kinds of IT 
um, positions, uh, okay. uh, mostly at the University of Alberta in Edmonton in Canada. I actually, like when I was uh, a, a, a young nerd uh, in, uh, in school, I was doing a lot of web development for like my high school back in the 90s. And uh, um, then some community organizations. And um, then I started working for uh, the University of Alberta Students' Union uh, in 2000. I was after a brief stint as a as like a online news editor um, for a uh, long defunct uh, um, Macintosh oriented news website and magazine that printed a few editions before going bankrupt. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, I was kind of following a a trail of contacts uh, through a variety of different. Uh, jobs with uh, increasing responsibilities. Eventually, I was working for the U of A itself. Um, I spent a good number of years working with the Dean of Students Office there, supporting um, their disability services department, as well as um, uh, the like student health services as well, um, and a broader range of, of oftentimes getting into where um, like uh, the the creative side of technology needed support. Um, so like dealing with all of the obscure problems that everyone encountered with everything that they needed to do for print publishing. Occasionally doing some bits of, uh, of web development for um, like registration systems, for systems that would plug into the electronic health record system. Uh, yeah, some web presentation stuff, but it was like, increasingly server oriented as time went on. And um, I eventually wound up at their central IT department doing a kind of a complicated DevOps job where I was uh, um, running a small team that was looking after a uh, shared learning management system that was being used by like 200,000 students between a few different universities. Um, like that was really when my job became more like heavily development focused was during that that last part of my time there but there were also a number of management changes that had been going on that were making it be a little bit uh more problematic of a place to stay for advancement potential and uh my uh, my partner Alyssa got a job opportunity in Vancouver so I moved here with her from Edmonton as I was uh you know, trying to get my bearings in a new city and figure out what I was going to do next. I was pretty open to doing different things. And my first thing was I took a web development contract for an acquaintance that I'd met at a music festival a few years ago. Oh. Well, a few years before that. And uh, that was doing a website for a, uh, a company called uh, Anemone Hug Interactive, um, who I then worked for um, in for a few years before moving over to where I currently work. So at Anemone Hug, like after doing their website, the there was uh, hey, can you do this uh, this little uh, game that uh, for this this client of ours, um, they want to have like a combat visualizer for this uh, like uh, collectible, trainable fantasy character uh, uh, combat game that lives on Ethereum and. Uh, it went through like several dozen different names and disappeared promptly after I, um, I finished my work on it. But yeah, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah that that was kind of interesting because I was just like, 
uh, dealing with um, the phaser game engine, which is one that we use a lot of in our work now. And so like that was my first time touching phaser. Um, and it was having to essentially make a way for these uh, battle stats to play out with a visualizer of who won and why kind of thing. Because, um, uh, you know, Ethereum isn't really known for doing a whole lot of real-time work, so it has to kind of crunch on everyone's battles that they set up. And then uh, then when the, the smart contract results uh, are available, then there was this extra like phaser game that just showed them how how it went <laughs> and uh so yeah that was my that was my first like serious game project and uh it lasted about four weeks so it really wasn't all that long and using some uh bundles of off-the-shelf uh um rigged characters uh and working with an animator to adjust those and uh uh, putting up a bunch of little combat scenes with convincing characters beating each other up, and it was uh, it was it was pretty all right. And then after that, I went into a much shorter stint working on a Unity game where I actually got uh, uh, fired from the project oh. four days into it oh. um, because uh, they actually just didn't think I was experienced enough. And I'm like, yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, that seemed like it was a plausible way to to interpret things then, but uh, I definitely solved some pretty bizarre elevator bugs in this particular very popular survival horror game that I'm not going to mention by name, <laughs> um, and uh, figured out how to uh, do all kinds of odd things with sounds appearing in the right places at the right times when various horror things are happening. But uh, yeah, it was it was good learning, um, although kind of short. Um, and uh, then after that, I started working on uh, some contracts for there's sort of pseudo game uh, educational courseware for kids uh, through one of uh, TGA's longtime clients called Everfy. And I, I got into a bunch of those and then started working on broader projects for TGA, including a few games that wound up in the training arcade, and uh, then just moved over to work for them directly full time um, a few years later. So that's kind of how I wound up here. And I had done some dabbling when I was much younger in in game related stuff but uh it just had really fallen off of my field of what i was focusing on for probably a good 15 years um in the early 2000s i was doing some uh some mods and levels for uh bungie's uh marathon and myth series of games and uh was getting into a team of people who were like trying to uh figure out how to make level editing tools before Bungie was on board with that, which was kind of fun. Uh, like involving hacking the the hex code in resource files that uh, that lined up with certain parameters for levels or or um, entities in the game. And uh, yeah, was, that was pretty fun. And I had a, a group of people um, that I, I worked with on uh, uh, a mod for, I think that was for Myth 2, 
that uh, actually wound up getting um, released on on Bungie's updated version of it. They they like re-released it later, and they had a bunch of community mods on it, and included uh, one of the ones I worked on. Cool. So, yeah. So that was like way back in the day. Then I just been doing all of this like education, IT, general figuring out whatever needs to be figured out stuff, uh, trying to like plan server migrations and things like that and deal with trying to keep services up and running 24 seven and all that kind of stuff. So I picked up a lot of useful things along the way, but uh, yeah, it, it really was just a, an accident that occurred from having met someone at a music festival and moving to a city when I just felt like I was open for a change. Yeah, that's our career advice. Show up at a music festival and harass your uh, roommate's boyfriend. Yep. That's, the, that's how you get into game development. One of those is bound to work. <laughs> <laughs> well, the theme, the theme for both of your stories is, is I mean, the, the, the title of the episode, like Wandering In, and Stephen, you were saying it's not uncommon for people to have that kind of story. Right. So for either of you, along the way, and I know this is this is true of me, which is why I'm asking it of you. Along the way, I, as I transitioned from a previous career to games, I never thought of myself as someone who was in the career of games until very, very recently, like including after we started this podcast. Oh. And so I, I wonder if for either of you that felt similar, that it felt like it was something you're trying, something you're doing now because it was such a slow evolution or a natural progression. Did, was there ever a moment where you're like, oh, now I've switched from that to this? Or, or, or was it when you got a taste of it, you're like, okay, now I'm gonna chase that direction. So, I mean, I, I feel like I basically had complete imposter syndrome like for the past 10 years, all the way up until like maybe like a year ago or two years ago. I never really thought of myself as a game developer or like thought about like, that being my career, you know, I, I, it's totally unexpected to me, to be honest with you. Yeah, I'd, I'd say that's pretty similar here. Um, I definitely like it. <laughs> and the, the more that oh, I yeah. work with, uh, with um, uh, the, because we, we deal with like a spectrum of, of things that are loosely gamified to things that present vaguely like games, but are mostly just courseware uh, to um, things that are actual games that are usually teaching some concept. Uh, I'd say that, uh, yeah, some of the most satisfying work that I've been doing is on the actual like game game side of it, like trying to get everything really tightly figured out and optimized. But, but yeah, considering myself a game developer, like, yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe I am. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, I, I think uh, I think a, a lot of a lot of what my job is is uh, is like having enough of that and like being able to work with clients on custom projects and help determine their technical requirements and help make sure that we aren't getting ourselves into a pickle so that we're going over budget or over time. You know, like uh, it's uh, it's a little bit more that kind of thing than than uh, than game development day to day. Um, except for when we do get into those those really fun, heavily heavily game projects and uh and they could be a, a real blast i i wanted to add to my answer the one thing i will say is I, I knew that i was making a commitment to pursuing game development as a career after i think maybe 
there was a period in time where after I left the forensics lab, uh, the primary, the contracts I was getting were primarily converting flash, mm. converting, converting flash games to, uh, to just, you know, JavaScript. And, uh, that work was, was coming in, but it wasn't coming in. Like there wasn't like enough money I, or I wanted more money. <laughs> <laughs> And so, and so I, I committed to making a portfolio or like something I could show to clients. Cause the other problem was, is like a lot of the work I was doing, I just like, wasn't allowed to show anybody anything, mm-hmm. um, for my portfolio, my portfolio piece was building a multiplayer, a multiplayer, uh, game for iPhone. Um, and then, you know, using JavaScript, using HTML, using like Apache Cordova and I, spent like two months like really putting that together and shining and polishing it and i i would say that at that point even though that was still relatively early on i think i could look back on that and say that 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 was making a firm commitment to like choosing this as a direction to pursue in programming as a career moving forward right because i could have i could have put up a website and made you know like look at my you know homepage registration form or something you know i could have put up like portfolio examples of something more generalized but Mm -hmm. putting together a like a pixel art warrior themed rock paper scissors game with achievements and uh you know live multiplayer was a choice (laughs) so um so one thing i really like about both of y'all stories is that like you're scrappy but like we ended, you ended up like being on a project, and you didn't necessarily know all of the things you needed to know to do the thing. But you learned it because uh, you had past experiences when you needed to learn things quickly on the fly, um, and you learned those things, and you were able to, you know, use that information to finish the project and use that and turn that into a career. And I think that's really cool. I imagine that that quality has taken you through your through all of your careers, but specifically in game dev uh, in particular. Um, would you say that would be the case? Like being able to learn stuff quickly? Yeah, yeah, because I think, I think like, um, I know some game developers who went through the traditional route where they went to school for not just even programming, but specifically game development. Yeah. They, these people, you know, they're, they're very talented, and they have, like, a lot of the background education stuff that I don't have. They'll be talking about a, a concept, and I'll be like, I don't know what the heck that is. <laughs> um, but I think that, like, because they have that background, they tend to go to that background to help them through things. And it sometimes makes it a little bit more difficult to um, just start something completely new. Um, Here, I need you to make a game in a short amount of time, making, yeah. you know, duct tape and right. chopsticks. Yeah. And they'll, and they'll, like, start by being like, well, we should just throw out the whole thing and start over. And we're like, we don't have time for that. We have to, we got to work with the duct tape we've got currently. So I guess what I'm, I'm asking is I'm wondering, do you feel like you have that quality and has that quality, if you don't, if you do or you don't have that quality, how has that helped with your career? It's a very weird question, <laughs> I realize. Uh, I, I, I think that, that, uh, that like, that's just a very valuable quality for anyone uh, to have working in, in game development, uh, mm. like the, that... Uh, like how how do you parse the 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 unknowns into something that you can like carry out and, and how how do you how do you get from 
from uh, there being a lot of unknowns to to something where they're a little bit more manageable and yeah. uh, you're you're reasonably uh, confident that uh, that this solution is actually going to do something close to what you intended mm -hmm. to do. And, and yeah, like I think that that's something that uh, that was um, a skill that I, I did develop all through my my previous career and uh, and that it's where that largely unrelated technical background uh, uh, helps. And yeah, I'm, I'm also a person who just like, I love to teach myself new things all the time whenever possible. And uh, I, I kind of prefer like self-directed investigation into things that, uh, to like taking courses um, uh, just in general. But yeah, like in in my current uh, in my current work, uh, it's it's definitely uh, a lot of how do we figure out where to go from what we have based on some amount of research and uh, and identifying what our problems are and uh, figuring out what other new tools we can use that we've never used before that may help us in the places where we've been you know like losing time uh, like things just not working very well or uh, having performance issues or in places where um, we really just need to move forward with our tech stack because it's uh, it's aging and uh, certain parts of it are dangerously aging. Then it's uh, it, it can be a lot of how to figure out what's going to happen next in what sequence. <laughs> Yeah, I do. I think I do have that that quality, um, and a lot of the other people I work with also have it. Um, and uh, I think that the more that anyone is uh, is tied to one specific way of doing anything, um, uh, that that's going to hold them back. Um, uh, the technology is changing constantly, uh, and you're going to need to do something unfamiliar in the near future. Like probably this week. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this week. Yeah. yeah, completely. I guess for me, I would say that the background in music was extremely helpful in the sense of I noticed this, and this isn't a, I guess this isn't much of a not. This isn't like I'm not I'm not slamming uh, computer science majors or anything, but I found that when I was in um, the the master's program and by proxy, they made me take like all the prerequisites of a computer science degree uh, while I was there as well. I found that uh, the people that were there, not all of them, but many of them were like used to getting a manual and like if, or like a recipe, like a cookbook, right? Like there's a recipe and it's just like, if the thing that we were supposed to try to do was not on, there wasn't a clear like recipe for how to do it that was known, they, they might flounder a little bit. Yeah. And I found that, um, at least in my in my experience, like being a little bit looser with it, and a sort of a having had some some musical training, I always thought about it kind of like composition, right? Like it's as if like you know the client is asking you to to write a blues, right? And the blues has certain rules, you know, twelve bars, like has to do this, has to do that, has to do that, and you have your you have your toolkit, right? I guess with music it would be you know the twelve notes. But within that, within that, like, within that set of restrictions, there's a, a freedom to do, to get to the end goal in a lot of different ways, right? Like, yeah. you could, you can write a blues many different ways, many different uh, styles, and it's still a blues, right? So I think I was just always more open to, to, to getting to the destination 
at least among my compatriots in that like sort of program, I was more like open to exploring different ways to get there. And if there wasn't a recipe directly written for it, I was willing to like experiment with like taking this from this, this from this, this from this, and like let's see what happens. Yeah. Uh, so I think that was all very useful to me. I think that um, I'm I'm like Greg. I I just I'll learn by doing, right? I I I would struggle more in an environment where you made me read the manual and then do something versus like I want to do something and I know I have to use this tool, so I'm going to figure out how to get what I want out of it and use that as the motivation to 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 figure something out, right? Um, yeah, very diplomatically stated. <laughs> but it's one of those things, I think it's a mindset thing, right? Yeah. Like, I think, uh, um, you know, a lot of people don't understand that just being a pure programmer involves so much creativity mm. in a way that isn't really recognized by people outside the profession or even really within the profession, yeah. right? Like, when you talk about, like, finding new ways to do things, like, that is something programmers do, and it's every bit as creative as an oil painter, and it, but when the when you don't think of your 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 task as having that element, you'll still do it. But then it does limit you in terms of like how far you'll go or what options are open to you, because you don't realize you actually have those those abilities to be improvisational, to to be sort of inventive, um, because you because maybe the way you were taught or just the way you think, and because it's you don't see yourself as one of the beatniks, right? But we all are yeah, yeah. if we want to be. Can I actually add something onto that too? That's actually slightly frustrating with mm -hmm. with programmers in general and game development. Getting called out. So, so this is this is, and you know, maybe maybe Greg can speak to this too. But the other the other secret sauce I had going was I've played a lot of video games in my life, a lot of video games, and so I have I know what a, what a video game is supposed to feel like, right? How it's supposed to how it's supposed to taste, and it really is frustrating to me, and has been frustrating to me over time when you ask programmers to do something you know how it is you get you get mock-ups you get wireframes but they're not the whole story right mm -hmm. and it's like there there's there's got you got to have some sauce you got to have some style i mean like just because the artist didn't he didn't just because he didn't explicitly tell you uh the ui you know that it that it reacts to being hovered or that when you click it uh you know, just because he didn't he didn't explicitly state any of that to you doesn't mean that that stuff the the devil's in the details in the mm -hmm. polish and you got to have things tweening i got to have everything's got to be tweening a little bit it's got to have a vibe because there's no point if there's no vibe and the amount of times i've had programmers that i've been working with and it's just like the wireframe has a button on the screen and then when the button is clicked the thing happens and there's no transition there's no animation there's nothing to it and you know it's uh i always found that extremely frustrating it felt like a very i don't know maybe i'll just i'll just throw some shots across the bow here but like sometimes i feel like like uh, -oh. <laughs> uh these more these, sometimes i feel like programmers are like too literalist like letter of the law like mm -hmm. yeah like i was told to make the button open the menu uh. so therefore they click the button the button completely disappears from the screen and the menu completely appears from the screen and that's it, you know? Yeah. And it's just like, I well, think some of that, some of that, like, either extreme amounts of video game playing or just, like, being more of a creative person has influenced um, some of my approach to that, which, yeah. in addition, I, I don't know. I'm, maybe I'm just bringing this yeah. up and throwing shots for well, no reason. Well, but... I, 
I don't mean to blunt your criticism, but I think what I, I totally know what you're talking about. And I've seen that in people too. And I think it's not always a lack of imagination or a, a, a lack of, des of desire. It's, it's very frequently a lack of agency. So the, the programmer doesn't know that they can be cross-disciplinary. And so, and they, no one's given them permission to do that. And so, uh, I, I mean, like I said, not to blunt your criticism, because sometimes people just like the box they're in and they'll just stay there yeah. um, without it, not having the initiative. I think a lot of it is, is just not being given the opportunity to participate in sort of adjacent fields or not knowing that it is totally within your abilities to participate in those adjacent fields. Like a lot of programmers. Yeah, yeah. Programmers will be like, oh, I, I can ha I'll put in some dev art, whatever, but I'm not an artist. And you're like, well, why not? Why aren't you? It's like, if, it's fine if you don't want to be, or it's fine if another artist comes in and paints over it, but you can inform that element of it if you want to. And you had, you do have those abilities. And I think not being told that you, or not being assured or not being given the chance to demonstrate them, I think can people can, they can crawl into their little box and not because they like it there, mm. sometimes maybe, but because no one's, you know, sort of led them out. I would add to that, that I think sometimes two things. One, you can try to do that. And if you're not reinforced or acknowledged for trying yeah. that, and I suppose early on, yeah. it's like, well, what's the point of trying? Like I drew a cool thing or I did this cool thing and someone else just came and already had a design for it and they just bowled it over. But like, to your point, Jamal, those little details are what makes something come alive. Otherwise it's basically just like, I don't know. It's a slideshow. Yeah, it's a slideshow. Yeah. You know, it's it doesn't feel like an organic living thing. Mm -hmm. It reacts to what you're doing. Every little thing that you do, it has a reaction. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But if someone's bringing that kind of, you know, I wanted to say juice. Yeah, sure. We'll go with juice. Sure. Like if someone's bringing that kind yeah. of juice to their work and they don't get reinforced early on, then they're just going to stop. Especially, and this comes to my second point, especially if they consistently get crunched. Oh yeah. Yeah. If you don't have oh, the yeah. time and the headspace to to play with that a little bit. And to feel like that kind of time isn't going to be considered a waste, then you're you're going to be conditioned over time to stop. It's one of the things I really like about like working with TGA, and I've had the, the blessing of being able to work with teams who appreciate that as much as possible, even outside of TGA. But like, I can definitely imagine how that could be trained out of somebody by the culture of the, their previous work experience. Yeah. Um, I will say yeah. that I am that person who just puts the button and it clicks and the menu pops up. So I feel especially called out. And that's okay. Uh, <laughs> huh? No, I, I started, I majored in mechanical engineering twice and flunked out anyway. Uh, <laughs> but the reason, so I, I will explain myself a bit. The reason why I do that is because I'm not a visual artist person. Well, I don't know. It, it, it's not something I prioritize as much. I'm much more mm -hmm. about the, the game design. For, from my perspective, it's frustrating when I'm doing a thing, um, and, it's, and in my mind, I'm like, all the numbers make sense, and this design is interesting, and like, people are making cool decisions and stuff. But like, because the, the, the menu doesn't transition neatly, they don't feel that. And like I understand exactly why that's the case because like it's not an exciting thing if you just see a number go up, right? The numbers gotta like explode on the screen and be colorful and stuff. Otherwise, it's exciting for me, <laughs> for me. <laughs> but like I know what it's supposed to mean and I can understand that underlying back uh, design behind it. But like you still need to be able to portray that excitement to people um, who don't under who don't know all of the numbers and such in, in the background. So like I think it's very important. 
but I don't want to be the person to have to put it in. <laughs> <It's basically what laughs> but I'm yeah. so glad you brought nice. that up because, like, yeah, I think you know all of the different backgrounds and stuff. We, uh, all of our different backgrounds and things, uh, come together to make the decisions that you make. You know, your from your day in your day to day job. And so, like, my I prioritize uh the game design and making sure that things function over making sure that things look good as they function because uh it's not something that i personally want to prioritize want to care about but i know that i need to care about it and so if i do need to or um people are giving me feedback that's like well uh i can see all the stuff that i can do but uh, it, it's unclear what i can't what i should do and what i shouldn't do then i'm like okay well now i gotta start prioritizing I got to make things look flashier so it's clear that this button, you know, is the cool one. And so it flashes and bubbles up or something. Um, yeah. Tweens. <laughs> you know, all of those. <laughs> I, I understand. Yeah. I understand. I mean, and listen, and listen, in your defense, I mean, I, I just want to say the first programming job I took, that first $1,000 I took, mm -hmm. I immediately got, I got the game design document, read through it, immediately found that it had game-breaking issues in it. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Immediately start immediately started arguing with the the game designer. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, like, so I'm that I'm that guy. I'm that guy. Yeah, right. Like yeah. I'm 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 the guy who's who's. I'm like I'm like no no. And I remember I remember this. I had to, I I argued and argued. And he was like just just do your job. What are you doing? And I was like wow. no no. The game design is broken. I'm yeah. gonna film myself playing it. I'm gonna break my own level five times in five yeah. different ways to show you how it's broken. Yeah. Like and here's here's my proposal for an alternative and like blah 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 blah. So I'm, I at least I'm I I think I'm less of that guy now. But uh, I was the one who would just like come in here and with my own ideas and, you know, I was always like, well, you know, I'm gonna make some transitions for this stuff and I'm gonna put some some animations in here mm -hmm. and if if the creative team doesn't like it, they'll let me know and I'll switch it how they like it. Yeah. But I always would come yeah. in with my my opinions. So I'm I'm that guy. So to be fair. Oh no. So I just found out, Ellen just informed me that there are reviews on our Patreon? Yes. You can, I didn't even know you could see reviews on Patreon. Yes, you, you can. can review other the, our Patreon content. Yeah. Um, so that's neat. Do you have those up? I, okay. I sure do, Steven. Okay. Yeah, I just pulled up my. Um, well, the Patreon, because I was going to mention oh, all yeah. the different tier levels that we have. There are three. It starts at $2.50 USD per month. Right. And it tops I mean, out at I 10. think you can donate any number you want to, though, because we, we appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, we're not going to stop. Yeah, yeah. want to just give us a dollar, that's cool. Yeah, for sure. Anyway, but here's the reasons, some of the reasons why. So you're going to feel so good about yourself. Okay. Okay. Um, Mission Dolly mm -hmm. gave us five stars Ooh, wow. and said... Come for the inside look at different facets of the game scene from three uncompromisingly kind and clever devs. Stay for the bants. Bants. I like it too. I like bants. That's good. Um, and then let's see. Uh, Super Jump TMR said, recently found this podcast and it's amazing. Very informative, insightful, and really helpful. And the hosts are all super swell and enjoyable to listen to. Yay! Oh, thank you so much. Swell. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's there are more reviews. You can go on to Patreon. You can leave us a review too if you are a patron. Yes, if you're a patron, you can leave us your own very very swell review, and you can do that by going to Patreon.com/slash/NiceGamesCast. Yes, that's Patreon.com/slash/NiceGamesCast. See you there.
so Jamal, that idea of like of mm. being sort of hopelessly cross disciplinary, I very much sympathize with that. And that is the opposite end of the problem, right? Is when you just want to do everything, even when it's not your job. And you started that story earlier by saying, <laughs> I needed this money. And so and so you like I need to do this job, this thousand dollars per level. And then now you an addendum to this story is like, oh, and I was also volunteering a ton of unpaid work because I couldn't help myself. Like I I totally know what that yeah. feeling is. And but your your attitude is right. It's it's uh, like I mean I it's um it's perhaps a bias that maybe isn't fair, but like Steven, you're saying I don't necessarily want to do those things even though I know they need to be done. And in my mind, I'm like, well, you should at least sort of want to do it, right? Like like even if you do it bad and let someone else finish it but like it, that is that's my bias is like i can't focus on one thing and because i everything is holistic everything is connected to everything else mm -hmm. but you, that you can get lost doing that as well oh yeah, um, oh, yeah. or i'm i'm saying that as i assume it's that, never happened to me I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah mark's like in my heart i don't totally it's believe never happened it, but, to me you know, says mark I, I have to allow for that fact oh you... but but jamal you came from music and then you're in this other field and it's impossible not to see that these things are always connected and and it's probably it's a thing that we'll neither of us will probably ever get get over. Do you think? Oh yeah, oh yeah. When you're and then when you're like, I mean, I I have to cut myself off. I mean, I, I've gotten better at it, but I I've been there. I don't know if you've been there, but you're like watching some some animation happen, and you're like adjusting easing, uh, easing functions and like durations and timings and delays. And I'm sitting there and I'm watching the same like, um like three second animation to see if like step three if if the duration is set from point four to point two oh, yeah. if it's like better and then i'm sitting there and then, and then i'll take a step back and i'll be like you know <laughs> that you cannot tell the difference yeah like actually like in real in real <laughs> life like you've been sitting in, you've been sitting yeah. here for 90 minutes looking at the same three second clip uh and you and you and i i'm like you know you can't tell. Yeah. So why are you? What are you doing, so Stephen? Yeah. You should be able to relate to that because those yeah. are the numbers that matter to. Anime. I totally relate to that. Like, uh, you know, I'll make it. Yeah, some numbers, some num numbers matter. <laughs> I'll admit, like. No, no, of course, of course. I mean, obviously, like broadly speaking, the numbers matter. Yeah. But I'm, I'm talking about a. It reminds me of a funny yeah. story. Um, I was on tour with this guy, uh, this band, and uh, one of the horn players. This guy would be at the mic, and you know, we're doing sound check. And it's just like we're, we're sound checking before, you know, an hour before the gig. And then we're going to go and eat and we're going to come back and play. And this guy would be sitting up there and he would be like, I need the high mids turned up. Can you can you adjust the reverb on the low end for me? You know, all this nonsense. Mm. And I remember one time I was looking, I, I went around the back to the sound guy and I was looking at him. And uh, while this guy was doing sound check and he's like, yeah, can I get the can I get the highs a little bit higher? And the engineer was just sitting there like doing nothing at the console and you just like look at it for a second and then you look back up you're like how's that you know <laughs> and you're like oh yeah. perfect perfect and i was yeah. looking at my side I, I, I see you he's like he's like yeah yeah he's like he's like my strategy is, is i just like you know they they say the same thing twice i'll adjust it because they they, they 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 actually mean it but i'm like i don't think you can tell them i'm just gonna yeah was he a trumpet player yeah no saxophone player oh okay. another saxophone player why is there some trumpet trumpet player? My husband's thing? a trumpet player. He plays. He studied jazz trumpet, so I like to rip on trumpet players. Yeah, yeah. That's what yeah. I get to do. <laughs> well, the thing that engineer knows that probably not that a lot of traveling musicians don't know is that all of these venues have <laughs> terrible rooms, right? So like, none of it matters anyway. 
Like, yeah, there's a, a very focused spot where it'll sound like anything half decent, and everywhere <laughs> yeah. else it'll be bouncing off of too many random yeah. brick walls all over so the I, place. So I remember yeah. that story in my head sometimes when I'm looking at something too closely. You know, I'm like, just let's yeah. move on. Let's move on. This is this is we've gone too far. Yep, yep. And and I think that that's uh, that's always a struggle when you when you really do like dive into the details and 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 when the aesthetics of something um uh like concern you like uh, to, to the point of you're trying to implement a design and you're not sure if you have it quite right and you're fussing over it too much uh yeah really like bouncing back up to the big picture and especially looking at um how it is in relation to everything else that exists uh to decide whether it's something that actually stands out that needs that fussing um but uh um, it's so easy to get lost in it <laughs> every time. To, back to what Jamal was saying about the the frustration of of people just like literally interpreting what they're given, like that that is uh, is not um, that is uh, our best work happens when uh, there's more of a conversation that's happening continuously, and uh, um, that conversation can be really helpful. Uh, in terms of figuring out where the effort does need to be spent um, in that it can help, you know, reveal the issues with the game design that the, what about this edge case that could throw everything off? Do we need to, to account for that? Uh, it can be uh, issues with the visual design. It can be like the issues in the actual implementation and, and like what's, what's not behaving properly. Like the more that that is um, a back and forth between all of the interested parties, the better. Um, and uh, and when when programmers are just executing and trying to get it done as quickly as possible and and, be, and just call it a day, well, then you kind of need to have someone else to like raise the issues <laughs> because the issues will just go on through and people won't pay as much attention to them because usually the programmer is the like the last line before um, possibly some. A client representative or producer signing off on it, but even then, not everyone is paying the closest attention to what exists. So yeah, yeah. I think that there does need to be a bit of that uh, that you know constructive um, pushing back a little places, as well as you know offering something that is a, that is an idea for how it could help improve how it feels. And like actually concerning yourself with how it feels rather than just how it functions, I think it's also yeah. really important. Yeah, and, and and I think that's like part of my intention with why I do so crappy a job with the transitions and stuff is because I know it's supposed to be temporary, and I make it yeah look very temporary, right? Because yeah. otherwise, because you know everything's happening so quickly, and like there's so everybody else has their own work that they have to get done. There are going to be those little tiny things that fall through the cracks. If this yeah. if this thing is very obviously not going to work yeah, in the yeah. final build then people will say something oh. about it and like yeah, that's really interesting yeah that's a very clever thing yeah it's yeah. like the whole technique of like posting a wrong answer to somebody on the internet because yep. you don't know the right answer but by posting the wrong answer you know someone's going to swoop in there right away with yep. the right one otherwise they won't say anything at all <laughs> <Exactly>. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's interesting yeah yeah it's a valid strategy for sure. Mm -hmm. yeah. Sometimes yeah. it's nice to just get something uh, up there to have that conversation about what requires yeah. additional work. And, right. uh, and yeah. like, like people yeah. are really good at pointing out what they don't like, but they're not good at pointing out what they do like some, a lot of the time. And I think that's a good way of yeah, yeah. phrasing it. Yeah. But yeah. also, like, if, if you're just the one hammering back and forth on change between 
0.15 seconds and 0.1 seconds, which I've done. Like, <laughs> and you know, but if you're not bringing anybody else into that process, um, then yeah. you're one, you're not getting feedback, but also you don't always have the best idea of like what it needs, right? Right. Um, and and that and if especially if you're not in the role to decide that, which is you know sometimes you are, sometimes you aren't. But I think the one of the things that requires is that sense of being familiar with with other disciplines is good, but it's dangerous in that not just that you'll sort of do that, but also like you're not always in the right position to know how much of that the project needs. Someone else might be in a, a, a maybe that person is a stakeholder, maybe that person is another expert on the team. They might have a better idea, better understanding. They're just better briefed on 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 what solution or when they recognize the right solution, right? Yeah, um, completely. And and so bringing other other people in on that process, even if you're doing needless fiddling and driving everybody crazy, like everybody will benefit from from you opening doors a little bit, and letting you know, getting that feedback and that understanding. And I think, like Stephen, you're saying that's what you're doing, right? You're 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 saying this needs this. This is my contribution to that. And, and, and that's your way of saying, like, that let's everybody else get in on it so that you recognize that. Because sometimes, yeah, if you just do it like, like there's nothing, that can feel like a solution to some people who don't know what the project needs, you know? Yeah. Right. I, I want to play a game with just your janky tweens and transitions in it just to know <laughs> what that feels like now. They wouldn't have tweens and transitions. That's what I'm saying. It just things just would pop up pop on the screen. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah, just, yeah you just change yeah. states. It's great. Yeah. That could be it's a vibe, too, stuff. though. That's, that could be a vibe, too. Yeah, that can be a vibe. It's just how, how yeah. you present it. I mean, yeah, I don't want to come yeah. off. I don't want to come off here like some sort of madman who's just like going off on like wild <laughs> tangents whenever he's just given a design <laughs> document or something. I mean, I obviously, I obviously defer to uh, to the, you know the creatives on the team, and you know I get people's mm. opinions. I'm not I'm not just going dolo, you know. Just <laughs> I don't think you've come across uh, in that way but, at all. At least not to me, know, especially. <laughs> there's no there's there's an element of like saying the unsaid or like you know the the mm. the. There, there's the uh, the juice, the sauce. You know, you gotta, mm -hmm. you gotta, yeah. you gotta sprinkle it in. And sometimes I, I, I just, I'm always making sure that we're, that we're sauced. I guess there you go. <laughs> we're all sauced. I'm all sauced up. There have not been many happy hours at work since I've joined. So that is one thing I've noticed. <laughs> Everyone's remote though, so it is kind of tough. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so the thing that I've always thought about as someone who came into games from another field is I always, I feel like I have an empathy for people in, in other disciplines, even if I don't know all the disciplines, right? Like sometimes I like to fancy myself as someone who could do any part of it, but I'd like to think that at least I am receptive to the needs of other disciplines. And I think that helps me. But then I sometimes wonder like, am I just receptive to the disciplines that I am specifically familiar with? That happens to be a number of them. So I fooled myself into thinking I have the capacity for anyone to come to me and I could sort of see, you know, like appreciate their, their issues. And for both of you, you each came from other fields, but from different ones, and you each have your own little collection of other and past expertises. Do you find yourself able to quickly pick up the needs of totally unrelated fields? Or do you find yourself just really good at those other things also? Oh, I'm I'm not particularly good at some of the things that I work really well with. Um, like, uh, <laughs> I, I, like I would say that, uh, that, that I um what, what one of my knacks is uh, is like uh being able to like work very well with graphic artists and designers um uh, and like to point out where we could have adjustments to our art to uh, to do something 
that I think usually winds up being better, but uh, I don't have those skills myself. I have enough familiarity with the tools that in a pinch I can, I can like deal with something that isn't perfect, but, uh, and I would only really do that if, uh, if the, um, if the designer wasn't available, <laughs> um, like if it, it was something where, oh, I'm trying to get something done and I'm working late and they're offline and uh, I need to make an adjustment to this particular like Photoshop file in order to uh, to get these things to line up properly so that we don't longer have this collision that's occurring. It's like, yeah, I can do that kind of stuff, but um, it's it's more it's more about interfacing with them productively and and having good conversations with them and figuring out what you can do to help them see the next step mm-hmm. so that they can uh you know get the clearest picture the fastest like i think that that is kind of how like my um interaction with visual design works like i, I have a pretty good eye for it i can't really do it <laughs> um i i can have conversations about it that are productive um so i definitely do rely on having uh some some very talented designers and artists working with me in order to make some of the really good looking games that we've put together but uh and then like in terms of the other disciplines that we encounter um uh in a day-to-day basis uh i've had enough just interactions with people in those kinds of roles strangely like even though it was all uh, public sector, everything beforehand, still just like a lot of project management, uh, disciplines. I was constantly, uh, dealing with those kinds of people. I was constantly making business cases for, uh, for, um, initiatives. So when I'm, I'm dealing with, uh, like trying to propose a project or, or deal with, a um, a bid in response to, uh, an RFP from some prospective client, then the, yeah, I've had enough similar experience that I can draw upon to to do those kinds of things or to interact with the people who are doing it. Uh, I guess uh, the one thing uh, where I definitely do wind up doing stuff that might not be in my specific area of responsibility is uh, editing the the uh, the copy. <laughs> <laughs> because <laughs> can, I, can, I tell you, can I tell you a really funny uh editing copy story the first the first project i worked at tga on we were getting the copy for the game or the course i was getting so uh annoyed because every piece of copy that was coming in there was only one space after a period and so I was doing oh. like, and I was doing so search nice. and replace to add two spaces after the period. No, you, you were vandalizing this document. <laughs> what? <laughs> on, on all the on all the game copy, right? So then, so then the uh, the project oh, okay. manager uh, Kara comes up to me and she's like, Jamal, why is there two spaces after every period? Uh, yeah, Jamal. And I'm like, and I'm like, I'm like, yeah, you're welcome. I fixed it for you. This is like common <laughs> grammatical rules, right? And then she was like, Jamal, nobody does that. I said, yeah. no, no. I said, this was beaten into me as a child, you know, <laughs> by every teacher. It was for me too, but yeah, teacher, I had to get it bit, beaten back out of me. <laughs> and then, and then I was like, I was like, if there's one thing I know on this earth, it is there are two spaces <laughs> after a period. And she was like, do you want to Google it right now? And I was like, all right, I'm going to Google it. And then oh, I was no. like, I was like, what? <laughs> Scales fall from your eyes. You're kidding me. You are absolutely kidding me. So, My favorite part about funny. that is the favorite part about two spaces after a period is that people on the internet will type it in, but 
because HTML doesn't allow multiple white spaces in a row, because that's just a convenience feature to get rid of all that white space in a, in a markup document. <laughs> some people don't, they write it and they don't even realize that it's not showing up. It's not doing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I learned a hard lesson that day, but I want to say this in my defense. I went to the gym that night and I, and there was uh, two people at the gym. One was like a 40 year old man. The other one was like a 19 year old uh, girl. And I said, watch this, you guys. How many spaces do you put at the end of a period? And the 40-year-old dude said two. She said one. They both looked at each other. I said, oh, thank you. Good night. <laughs> so it wasn't me. It wasn't just me. Okay? It was a generational generational guy, you know? You just started a war in the gym. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Oh, wow. Anyway, sorry. Sorry for that diet. Sorry for that, uh, you know. That's great. No, that's, that's I'm only great. sorry about that because I don't have to be the one to shut you trade because I think that would have been fun. <laughs> it was so bad. Anyway. It was so bad. Oh, man. I changed it all back, though. I paid the price. You can easily change it back. That's yeah. a good point. That's true. You can. Very easily. I changed it, it all back. Yeah. I changed all the JSON files. It took forever. I was like, this is my punishment. <laughs> this is my well, punishment. That's the, can, that's the lesson. When you get ambition, when you get ambition, <laughs> you have initiative to step outside your area. Just know that there there may be consequences as a result, and you have to be comfortable with that. Yeah, I think I think the, I think it's I think it's pride comes before the fall. That's what it is. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so we talked about wandering in, into game development. Mm -hmm. We talked about it in a wandering way. Mm -hmm. So I want to bring it back. Okay. And I want to ask you guys, having having gotten to where you are by wandering, do you wish? you would have been able to get into game development earlier? Or do you prefer having had the experiences that you've had? Oh, I wouldn't have traded being a musician for however long I was a musician professionally. You know, that was a great experience. I think that it, there is an interesting thing for me because the joke ended up being on me, but the reason I chose a sort of cybersecurity digital forensics master's program rather than just going straight, straight computer science uh, was that I was very intimidated by the idea of straight up programming. And I, and I conceived of like forensics degree as being something, um, that would be on the periphery of programming and still on the, or, you know, be on the edges, but like, I didn't perceive it as being like as scary. And that's why I chose that rather than just going straight from the get towards programming. I'm not sure if I would have traded that experience. I mean, the joke was on me anyways, because it was it was really hard. And there was a lot of programming that was much more difficult than I think, well, much more difficult in certain ways than than just, you know, just game programming or just making an application, right? If you're trying to hack Windows or something, you know, you have to, you might be programming less, but like the level of knowledge that you have to have to do the programming work is like so insane. Um, mm. There's a lot. You have to know a lot to write the little bit that is the exploit, right? Or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, ultimately, I don't think I would have traded that experience either. I mean, even even the uh, forensics lab. I mean, I loved the master's program, and I think that I had so much fun there. Um, and I think that even the forensics lab experience itself. While I ultimately wasn't a fan, there were still some 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 great moments there as well. So I'd still have done it the same way, I think. Cool, Greg. How about you? 
I'd say I'm pretty happy with how things have gone so far. <laughs> um, uh, and that like all, all the way through my, my career, um, there, there was, uh, just a, just a, a bit of like following what, uh, seemed opportune and what seemed important at the time. Uh, everything that, that I did, um, as like all of my various steps along the way, I actually found that each one of them was pretty satisfying and that I learned a lot from everything. And that, uh, um, generally, uh, I would say that my, my jobs have like been well in tune with my values and, uh, that I've worked with a bunch of great people along the way. And I'm glad to have known those people and that, uh, that, uh, you know, my, particular advancement path has had a lot to do with just who I've met uh, and who was then willing to, you know, vouch for me at certain points that, yeah, this is someone who can do this. Uh, and uh, when, you know, my credentials don't necessarily say anything <laughs> along those lines, uh, but uh, but having enough uh, of those, like, positive interactions all the way along, I, I, I think... If I'd gone straight into it, um, I probably would have gone down uh, some different paths, and they might not have been as satisfying. Like, mm. uh, well, I'm just thinking from from the standpoint of uh, I well, I grew up in the Edmonton area, and uh, it doesn't really have a whole lot of a uh, games industry. There's like Bioware is the is the the one big company there, and then there's a uh, some indie developers that have been showing up lately. Uh, and if I had been trying to get into that seriously in Edmonton when I was young that I probably would have shot for that or uh you know much worse like before Bioware was acquired by EA I might have uh I might have done what some of my other friends did and gone and worked for EA mm -hmm. that worked out disastrously for them and they burnt out and left the career so um yeah I I, I think that uh I found kind of a an interesting niche inside of game development where like I'm able to leverage a lot of parts of my background um, where I find the work satisfying on a number of fronts um, where we aren't doing anything evil. Um, it, that's a kind of a big factor. <laughs> um, I, I love the idea that uh, that some of our, our, our projects get used to uh, like teach kids to read. Um, and like that just, that just makes me feel good about, about what I'm doing. I would say I'm, I'm a bit in, pretty lucky and i've i've definitely um you know put in the work along the way but uh i, I i'd have a hard time imagining things going better to get here faster um <laughs> uh, yeah and that the the those uh those previous parts of the journey are all all valuable so yeah 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 who knows what kind of people we would have turned out you know, I mean, it's like, it's hard, it's hard to, to replay the past, right? Like, yeah, I don't, I don't yeah. know. I don't know if like, I would have had the willpower to like, for instance, slam an entire JavaScript HTML game book in a week, if I hadn't learned the discipline to be able to sit in a soundproof room and practice saxophone for five hours, you know, a day, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. you know, right. you, don't, you never know, like what, what's informing, you know, what, yeah. you know, that's a really good, and like the systems thinking that comes from doing, um, DevOps directly, yeah. directly translates into what you're working on like day to day with all the different things that go into making some of the games that we have. Yeah. 
yeah, it was, it was kind of like cobbling together a whole bunch of little fragments of of useful experience into a this is approximately one game programmer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that tracks. Okay, so we've asked you everything we need to know about the topic, but one last question: What's it like to work with Ellen? <laughs> yes. No. <laughs> uh, oh, it's. Uh, I mean, it's... I'm... great. <laughs> great answer <laughs> we feel the same right Stephen? yeah yeah you know what more could be said <laughs> okay well on on my side uh working with ellen is basically i set a meeting and then five minutes before the meeting she slacks I can't make the meeting, but here's my update. Yeah. Yeah. So I really don't, have been... like a, I don't really have a sense for what it's like to work with Ellen, the person. Yeah. I just kind of like know <laughs> this avatar that slacks me to tell me that they can't talk to me. That's actually not even me. That's Alice, my Slack bot, who tells people they can't make me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's great. Well, I'm so glad that you guys are both um, able and willing to join today. Mm -hmm. And uh, I love working with you both. And I do wish that I could work with you more. Um, it's just project work right now is we're talking about doing multiple roles on a project. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's my life right yeah. now. Yeah. Um, but eventually, we'll I'll come back to those meetings. And, you know, you say that, Jamal, but you weren't at that meeting. Today. <laughs> and someone else had to press the dolphin emoji. Well, oh. hey, hey, yeah. you know. Um, you, so you were at that meeting. You were at the one meeting I wasn't at, is what you're telling yeah, me. Yeah, okay. yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Uh, that's a power like, move, Ellen. Yeah, <laughs> that's a power move. Maybe. I wish I would have remembered that two seconds ago. <laughs> oh goodness. <laughs> yeah. That's our show. For show notes and links on today's topics and things, it was meandering. It was wandering. It was good. Go to our website, nicegames.club. Visit us on Twitter and Mastodon at Nice Games Club, where Dale tweets and toots about game dev resources and the golden rule of video game promotion. Interesting. We like hearing from you, so tweet and toot back. Or email us, contact at nicegames.club. Nice Games Club, that's us, Nice Games Club, is on Patreon. Support the show and get stuff, including ad-free episodes. Sign up at patreon.com slash nicegamesclub. And if you want to keep things more casual, just stop by nicegames.club slash discord and say hello. Next week, we'll be looking at licensing and emotional motivation as two separate topics. But that's it for this week. So until we start again, remember to play nice and make nice. She, she actually, uh,
uh, mentioned you in a meeting, Mark, uh, um, a oh, few yeah? days ago, um, and it, it, it was in a response to. No, it, it was in response to me uh, drinking uh, from a particular uh, carbonated beverage brand mm. that uh, oh. yeah. shares your 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 last name, and uh, we wound up having a, a discussion about uh, the correct pronunciation of it, which I, of course, insisted was Lacroix. Um, right, as you're Canadian, yeah. Yeah, and, <laughs> right. and then found out, uh, it was very disappointed that it's LaCroix for, for, the, uh, uh, for the beverage. Yeah, but... same. <laughs> <laughs> Disappointing. Mm. But uh, no, Ellen's a, a delight to work with. Um, she's, uh, she's really funny and smart, and uh, she has a, a great head for how game systems go together, and she's, uh, she's good at critically analyzing things uh to the right level um yeah she's a a downright professional and a lot of fun to work with everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day that crispy fish that savory tartar sauce that melty cheese that pillowy bun yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.